Yeah, so I felt like George Costanza today because uh, I went to Walmart and there were people, you know, set up with a table outside and they had a jar with, you know, money in it and they said, hey, can you donate? And I said, yeah, I'll get you on the way back out. And, uh, you know, when I came back out, I threw the dollar bill in and they didn't say anything. And I felt like reaching my hand in and pulling it out and dropping it in again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Gizmo's Corner. Today, in the corner, actually not even in the corner, I got you via phone. Michael has called in, and we are going to be having a couple dialogues regarding the new Amazon Prime series, The Boys. Welcome, Michael, to the corner. Howdy. <laughs> thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, so before we get into The Boys, just... Uh, you know, of course, there's a couple trailers out there right now we want to talk about. Uh, we've got trailer number one for Little Monsters and a trailer for Loose, L-U-C-E, Loose. And uh, yeah, a couple other topics just want to share with you guys. All right. Uh, so yeah, let's start off. You want to start off with uh, Little Monsters? Yeah, that sounds like a good one to start with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Little Monsters, we have uh, Lapita Nyong'o from Black Panther and Us uh, coming to a zombie horror comedy. Uh, what, what did you think when you watched this? I, I loved how it was, she was trying to keep the kids so innocent and then, like unafraid while there's this carnage going on around. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely different for the zombie genre. You never actually stop and think, hey, what are kids doing during the zombie apocalypse? And here you have, like, young, young kids on a field trip somewhere, and they're stuck in this cabin. So Lupita Nyong'o, being the teacher, is trying to keep these kids alive. What, what, was the, what was the, oh, my God, what was the song that they were doing? If you're happy and you know it? I think so, actually, yeah, if I remember right. And then... Uh, the one guy, um, I don't know if you realize this, but the, um, the one guy with the glasses, Josh Gad, that's the guy who voiced Olaf in Frozen. Yeah, no, I'm trying to remember which guy that was. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one at the very end of the trailer. He uh, picks the one kid up or the zombie up and bites their face, and he goes, yeah, how do you like it? Oh, that was the guy that they found him. He locked himself in the, in the um, like one cabin or the, the store. Yeah, yeah, he was, like, locked in there, and yeah. they're like, hey, let us in, and he's like, yeah. no, fuck you! Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool seeing him doing a different kind of character like this. Um, you know, he, he was Olaf, and he usually does, like, these happy, fun characters or, you know, serious characters, but now, in this, it just seems like he's playing kind of a dick. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've said plenty of times where I think the zombie genre is kind of, it's, it's a little overplayed, played out a little bit. You know, we just talked about Zombieland 2 last episode, and I still have the same feeling where it's like, it, you know, it seems like they're kind of running out of ideas, but this one, it's kind of a refresher, again, because they're using uh, kids on a field trip, so that seems like it's, it could be pretty cool. Well, they even put fun of themselves sort of at the beginning, right? Where he's like, 
Are they slow zombies or fat zombies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point right there. That was hilarious because it's like, are we getting a Dawn of the Dead original zombie or Dawn of the Dead remake zombie? Yeah. Um, and what's the guy say? He's like, oh, they're slow zombies. He's like, oh, we're all right then. Isn't it something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like, oh, good. Um, like, that, that'll be better. Oh yeah. Then at the uh, the end of the trailer, she says uh, she says she's got like jam on her on her shirt. She goes, "Oh, don't worry about that. That's just jam." And she's like, "Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Or <laughs> don't taste it." <laughs> yeah, don't get it in your mouth. Yeah, uh, I got a. I, I imagine this one's gonna do pretty well when it gets to the theaters. There's a lot of talk about it at I think South by Southwest Film Festival. It was a uh, very popular. But yeah, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this one. But yeah, let's go on to the next movie. Want to try to burn through these pretty quick. Loose. Uh, it's L-U-C-E. Loose. Uh, it's directed by Julius Ona. That's the same director of the Cloverfield Paradox. And not to uh, say he's not a good director based on Cloverfield Paradox, but you know that movie wasn't too great. Not a lot of people were fond of it. Uh, but we also have a pretty studied cast here. We've got Naomi Watts, Octavia, Octavia Spencer. And Tim Roth, uh, main title character, Luce, uh, is played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. Not too familiar with him, but just seeing him in the trailer, uh, it seems like we're going to get a pretty good performance from this kid. Now, again, uh, you weren't familiar about this this movie, right, until I told you to watch the trailer? No, please hold on. I, I haven't seen anything for it. Yeah, what did you think? You said you it seemed like it was going to be kind of a mind, mind fuck, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you did you don't know who to believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, if it, and, and the trailer starts off making you want to believe one side. At least that's how I felt when I watched it. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've watched the trailer a few times now because at first I thought like Octavia Spencer was like the villain the first time I watched it. And then I watched it a second time and I'm like, oh shit, maybe this kid's the villain. Like... Yeah. It, oh yeah. It, it seems... I'm... I'm all up for like a psychological thriller and this, this movie I'm, I'm so intrigued by and I'm so excited for this movie. If you guys haven't seen this trailer yet, go check it out. The whole, the whole concept of it is it's a, a white couple played by Naomi Watts and Tim Roth and they ad- adopt uh, Luce. He grew up in another country where he was pretty much like a, a child of war and so they adopt him and he comes and lives with them and so he grows up and then... Uh, what we see in the trailer pretty much is he writes a paper and his teacher, Octavia Spencer, says he's pretty much saying that violence is uh, cleansing for people and everyone should be committing violence or something to that nature. Is that, is that what you understood from the trailer as well? Uh, yeah, it was kind of like saying that uh, war was necessary in order to, uh, I guess, often it was population control or something as broad as that. But it seemed like it was, like it was necessary in order to, like, for the world to work. Yeah, so it's it's almost like he has a similar mentality, kind of similar to Thanos. Yeah. Um, pretty much. Or you could even relate it to The Purge a little bit, saying you need to cleanse yourself by committing uh, acts of violence amongst other people. Yeah, yeah. So even, like I said, the first time I watched it, Octavia Spencer, I thought she was going to be like our antagonist and he was going to be the protagonist. But after watching it a few more times, it 
you kind of get the feeling that Luce himself is going to be an antagonist. Not even saying he did anything to anybody in the trailer, but it's the way he is talking to Octavia Spencer and saying, you don't really know what anyone's capable of. That part gave me chills every time I watched it. Yeah, uh, let's see. So Tim Roth and Naomi Watts, that again, they're the parents. I think they're like a modern day, you know, parent right now, you know. It, I don't know, you remember this, Michael, back in the day, being in school and uh, the teacher calls your parents in and says, uh, Robert isn't doing well, or, you know, Robert did this and I've got a bad feeling about it. And then, you know, parent more, it seemed like would be more on the teacher side as opposed to the child side. Yeah. At, at least parents nowadays, I've, I'm pretty sure it seems like they're always going to be on their child side as opposed to the teacher's side. So if the teacher says, hey, your kid is acting up, in class, then the parents going to say, well, it must be something you're doing wrong. Yep. yep. Yeah, so, that's kind of how this seemed like from the trailer. Yeah, because they're backing up Luce over, you know, actually yep. hearing out Octavia Spencer. Um, but yeah, that's Luce. Guys, if you haven't seen this trailer yet, it's under the radar right now. Uh, but I imagine it's going to be making a pretty big... Uh, pretty big bump when it does come out. I know it's coming limited uh, early August, and then eventually I believe it is going to be reaching out and getting into more theaters. Movies like this, I said this with the movie we talked about last week, the trailer, um, what was it, Don't Let Go. Um, movies like this are things that need to be seen because otherwise we're just gonna keep getting a ton of blockbusters constantly, and I'm, I'm not over blockbusters, but there's just a whole lot of them and it's kind of losing steam. I, I think we need something different and we need to go back to the roots of true cinema sometimes. But yeah, those are our trailers. Go check them out, guys. Little Monsters and Loose, L-U-C-E. Michael. Yeah. It, you are familiar with the original miniseries, right? Of It, yeah. <laughs> you, I remember watching it as a kid. <laughs> I remember watching it with you as a kid. Um, <laughs> did you ever see the remake that came out a couple of years ago? I haven't yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, you could probably, uh, a lot of people will say don't waste your time, and others will say, no, you need to see it. It's the, one of the best horror movies in a while. Um, but It Chapter 2 is going to be coming out uh, in a couple more months. Uh, it was just released that chapter two is going to be just shy of three hours long. What are your thoughts on sitting through a horror movie that's just shy of three hours? Uh, I'd be fine with it as long as it, it keeps a pace that keeps me interested through it and I don't fall asleep. <laughs> the, I, I've actually had a lot of issues with movies being, whether it's three hours or two hours and 40 minutes, I think movies are just getting too long. Uh, when I heard this was going to be, I think it's it's going to range to like 245. Yeah, see, the first movie that I remember having extended cuts that turned into like two and a half to three hours was like Lord of the Rings. And those were the cuts I, I preferred. Yeah, I remember the, 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 it was like the director's cuts, right? Yeah. Like when they came to DVD, I think finally they, I, I, they were, I think they were like two and a half or just shy of three hours all. And I actually preferred those because they told more of the story that I wanted to hear. So if they can do that with a horror film, like if they can keep you interested, then it wouldn't be bad go like watching it for three hours. Yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. Like I, I'm thinking most recently, like we had Avengers Endgame and that was what, three hours and two minutes. Sitting through that was fine. Exactly. But 
unlike Infinity War, where I had to go back and see it a second time, Endgame, I was like, man, I don't have three hours to sit at the movies again. <laughs> like, uh, hopefully three hours is good enough and like I can wait for Blu-ray and I'll watch it on Blu-ray then. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes at three hours. Yeah, it does make it tough when you have to go, when you want to go back and rewatch. Yeah, well, you've seen Endgame a couple times now, right? Uh, I think I saw it two times. You saw it twice? I think I saw it twice, yeah. Right on. So here's something I think you'll be kind of excited about. The Dungeons & Dragons movie. It's been talked about for a very long time. Uh, it finally got some directors attached to it. Uh, it's got the writers of Spider-Man Homecoming. The one is, uh, I, ah, crap, his name's John Francis Daly, I think. Uh, he was actually on Freaks and Geeks. He was the main kid in Freaks and Geeks. He played the short little scrawny kid. He was also on Bones. Uh, he played, uh, what the heck was his name? Uh, he was like a therapist or something on Bones. I remember him on there. But he also directed uh, Vacation, the remake of National Lampoon's Vacation. Or no, it wasn't a remake. It was a continuation of the story. But that one didn't do too well. And uh, But he also did a surprise hit of Game Night. Now, me and you saw the original Dungeons & Dragons movie from back in the day. Um, do you remember how terrible that was? I'm trying to remember which one that was. Was that mm -hmm. the one with um, uh, Jeremy Irons was the bad guy? <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Irons and uh, Marlon Wayans was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was really hard to enjoy. But would you be interested in a new Dungeons & Dragons movie? Uh, I would hope they can do a better version of it. <laughs> <laughs> I had high hopes for the first one before I watched it. Yeah, it, I remember the first one coming out, like the graphics and everything, the dragons. Like, before Game of Thrones, these dragons actually looked pretty cool in the trailers. Yeah. But we'll see what happens with Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, it's been talked about for several several years now, and it's still being talked about. It finally gets directors attached to it. That doesn't mean a whole lot until the movie actually starts filming. You know, these guys can drop off at any minute, and then, you know, we'll get new directors after that. Last... But not least, I'm so excited, James Wan, his next movie will not be Aquaman 2, but he is returning to horror, and we are going to get a new horror movie from James Wan. This is so exciting because I love every single horror movie that James Wan has ever done, uh, including Dead Silence. I think that movie is totally underrated. It was a great time. Did you watch Dead Silence? That was the one with the, the puppets. Wait, which one? Dead Silence? I didn't get to watch that one. Did you see Saw? See Saw, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the director of that in. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's uh he also did like the Conjuring movies, at least one and two, and Insidious chapter one, chapter two. Uh, he's 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 an incredible horror director, and I'm so excited he's going back to it. That's all the mumbo jumbo uh, leading up to the main topic of conversation. Everyone wants to hear about the boys. Michael. Yes. You introduced me to the comic The Boys. And. Oh yeah. It is an incredible comic series. Uh, when I you first gave me the first trade paperback and I read it, and I was completely floored with what I was reading in here because it, it's unlike any other superhero comic book you're going to read. It is so out there, and this show does the exact same thing to 
superheroes on screen that the book did to comic books. Like, if you haven't watched The Boys yet, go check it out before listening to this. Uh, we are going to do heavy spoilers throughout this entire discussion. We're not doing non-spoilers. It's going to be all spoiler heavy. So please feel free to tune out. Go check the series out. Tune back in. We're just going to be discussing episodes one through four. So, Michael, let's get into it. Episode one of The Boys, our pilot episode. This whole series, to me, you learn a lot right through the first episode of what you're going to be getting into. You have, and when I say it's not, this show isn't, it's not really a superhero show. It's more or less like a political, uh, corporate kind of show. And superheroes just happen to be in it. They happen to be a big part of it. I wouldn't call it a superhero show, though. What, what, what What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's not your typical, like, superhero, like, come to save the day and fight the big bad guys. Yeah, it's definitely not that. Um, the show follows our main group of, uh, I, I can't even call these guys protagonists, but our main group, the boys, uh, which is led by Butcher, played by Carl Urban. Uh, we've got Mother's Milk, Frenchie, Kimiko, and Huey. And... They're trying to stop a corporation of superheroes known as the Seven. Uh, that's what the whole uh, series revolves around. But again, let's go back. Let's just uh, start off with episode one here. Uh, what were your What were your first thoughts on the pilot? It was kind of tough for me because I I have the whole books in my head still. Yeah. So it, it was trying to. I was always comparing the whole episode to the books, and I loved the books so much. There was I just kept nitpicking the first episode a little, but overall I, I did enjoy it. Like the special effects were like awesome. Yeah. The special effects were great. I thought. Yeah. Like the, my favorite scene in that one was the one with Queen Maz, uh, Maeve just taking out the armor truck. Right in the beginning of the episode, she jumps down and yeah, she just hits the ground and shreds into the truck. It was such a cool image. Like she jumps down and like, you see like her going through the truck it was. It's something I, I've never seen before. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, it's definitely an original scene. So let's get to. Uh, let's talk about Huey. Uh, we start off with our main, one of our main characters. I would say he's the main character, Huey. You're pretty much following him. Yeah, you're following him the whole time. So yeah, I would say he's like our lead protagonist, right? Yeah, I'd say so. You got Huey. He works at an electric, like uh, almost like a small little Best Buy shop, right? Or like a Radio Shack. And uh, so he's working there one day, and uh, his girlfriend. Th- this this part, I, I don't want to compare the show to the comics. Uh, we'll like we'll do that at some other point. But this was the one part in the comics that always stood out to me because it's what grabbed me to the comics. And then actually seeing it play out on screen, I was like, oh shit! But uh, when Huey and his girlfriend Robin, Rebecca, I'll say it was Robin. It was Robin? Okay, Robin, and, uh, you know, they're out in the street, and she's talking to him, and then all of a sudden she just disappears. And then slow motion cuts, and you see blood going across the screen and all over Huey's face, and that's when we're introduced to A-Train, the speedster, uh, who just ran through Robin and completely obliterated her. Yeah, when they when they pan the camera from Huey's face, and you just see the bones and Spine and ribcage pieces all flying around, hmm. and he's still holding—he's yeah. still holding her hands. So yeah, uh, A Train runs through Robin, and he says, ah, "I can't stop! I can't stop!" And then he just books it. We don't know what, where he's going off to. We learn about it later on. What he's running—what he's running for. Um, uh, so 
let's talk about Carl Urban in this episode, or even you know throughout the entire series. But you you were a little worried about Carl Urban playing Butcher, right? Yeah, I wasn't sure how he would play him. Like from like I said, reading the comics, that's the the way I remember the character reading him and seeing him on the page. I wasn't sure how he was going to play him. Like from seeing anything he's done before, I just yeah. And from the beginning, I was still a little iffy, but it's he's growing on me the way he's playing the character. Yeah, I thought I thought he portrayed Butcher pretty well. I know you're you're much more of a hardcore fan of the comics than I am. Um, it's a little different there, where I, I I was totally fine with how he did he performed it. Were you worried that he wasn't going to have the uh, the accent? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was curious how he was going to do the accent. Because <laughs> well, Huey's Huey is supposed to have like a French accent, isn't he? Huey? Yeah, what does uh, Frenchy? No, I doesn't is I thought Huey had Huey had an accent in the comics. Oh yeah, Huey in the comic, I think he's Scottish. He's Scottish, that's right. right. Yeah, I think he was Scottish if I if I remember right. But yeah, so like he in the comics they they used similar terms. It's like, you know, geographically, where they grew up was wasn't too far away from one another. Oh, like a, like what do you say, bollocks all the time or uh you're gonna be a twat, or oh, some of the other things he always said. Oh, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, he would say a lot of things that you know, like me or you wouldn't say. <laughs> like it was definitely. Yeah. I think it, you're right. I'm. It's not, I'm, it's not what Trump rolls off the typical American tongue. Yeah, exactly. It's. It, I think you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a. He he was Scottish in the comics. This kind of surprised me, and uh, I I don't know if you thought this was kind of fun. Simon Pegg uh, playing Huey's dad. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was interesting. Because wasn't Huey in the comic based off of Simon Pegg? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Huey was was mod- like modeled after Simon Pegg, except by the time they got to the show, Simon Pegg was too old to play Huey. Yeah, but I, it's so cool that they made him Huey's father instead. And oh my God, I've never heard Simon Pegg with an American accent before. Yeah. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was really Like you said, I don't remember hearing him do an American accent and anything I've watched of it before. Yeah, because I, I mean, oh man, yeah, he was he was so good at his that. And just like listening to him talk, I'm like, holy shit, Simon Pegg can do an American accent. Like he, oh, it was incredible. Um, his dad played a little bit of a silly character still, but you know, even seeing him getting more into a dramatic role too, was pretty cool. Like, you know, he's talking to Huey like a dad and, you know, actually, you know, trying to tell Huey what to do and just being like, trying to be a father figure, not not like a father figure to him, but being the character of a father, which was, it's so, to me, it's different because I've never seen Simon Pegg do something like this, but he still had that little bit of silliness to him when he needed to. Yeah. Then uh, we are also introduced to the character of Starlight. So here's something you pointed out to me. I wanted to talk about this. Uh, right before the episode starts, it gives you like the ratings, uh, violence and vulgar language uh, and stuff like that. And it did say rape at the at the very bottom. And then you said you went back and rewatched the episode and they removed rape from the opening title card. And I went back and yeah, it, they actually did remove rape from the the title card. Yeah, it was like three days later, I think, after, because I watched, I started watching it the day it was released, and then when I went back and rewatched some of it, or when I went to rewatch the first episode again, it was probably three or four days later, and that's when I noticed it was gone. Yeah, because from the, from the books, Starlight is actually, you know, 
she is taken advantage of in the comics. So I was getting very uneasy when that part was coming up in the episode. Uh, rape scenes are one of the things that always make me uneasy in a movie. I, I, I don't like them. That's one of the reasons why I couldn't really say I loved Game of Thrones uh, all that much. It's all that all those scenes just make me very uncomfortable and I, I just don't like them. In this one, yeah, we didn't really get so much of, uh, we didn't get what we got in the comics, but you know, we do have the character of the Deep who tries to take advantage of Starlight, who is a young up and coming hero uh, who's just been made part of the Seven. And, you know, you can compare this to, you know, like Harvey Weinstein or anybody that's in power that takes advantage of somebody not in power and promising them things uh, for sex. The the scene wasn't as graphic as I was imagining it was going to be, which which I'm happy it was, and I'm really happy it was. And what what were your thoughts uh, in that interaction between the Deep and Starlight? Like before watching it, I was kind of for even across most of it, I was always curious of how they were going to do the show because the comic is so graphic and like between the sex and the violence in the comic and. I didn't think they were going to go very far in the show, which is good because sometimes what your brain thinks of is worse than what you can see sometimes in the scene. And I think the one with Starlight and the Deep there, that would probably, so it's more in your head, it's kind of better in that case. Uh, but yeah, like you, it's kind of like, you don't want to see that in the show because it's just, it makes you squeamish. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an, un- I, I completely agree with you. It's just an unnecessary thing to put into a show like this. It's already over the top as is so there's no there was no reason to put yeah. that in there and i'm, I'm very happy value. yeah yeah and i'm so over the shock value in in things like i'm happy they toned it down for that part oh you know what they they actually remind me of uh like the seven and all the superheroes they, they remind me a lot of greg kinnear's character in mystery men you remember that movie wait which character mr men uh, Greg Kinnear's character. I forget his uh, his character's name, but he was the superhero. He had all the like oh. sponsor patches all yeah, over him. Yeah, it was like Captain Awesome or something, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Captain Awesome, Captain Amazing. Something. It was just a very generic name, but that's yeah. what these that's what these heroes reminded me of, or as they call them in the show, Soups. Yeah. Yeah, they're very um, I'm above everything and better than everybody. Yeah, and it's like they are everyone. They are celebrities too. Like they. You know, they have theme parks, they have video games, they have movies, like they start in movies. They're actually celebrities, they're not just superheroes. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. It does, now you mention it, I hadn't thought about him. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I, watching the first episode, my thought was, man, they're like mystery men. And then in like uh, Homelander, uh, the leader of the seven, like seeing him, I'm like, yeah, that's almost Captain Awesome or Captain Amazing, kind of. Not, not so much the look, well, yeah, kind of the look, but... You know, he's the most famous superhero in that world. Yeah. Uh, what 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 are some of your other favorite parts from the first episode? Oh, what was that? Oh, the favorite parts? Yeah, yeah. What, what were some other parts that you liked or didn't like? Um, actually, I, I liked that part where what was it? Huey gets the uh, that forty thousand dollar check and he just tears it up, and you see Butcher like like oh he he is like me. Yeah, Butcher gives him a little um, smile. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then the uh, the one other favorite parts was when uh, <laughs> oh, Butcher slams in the translucent with the car. Oh yeah, that was great. That whole fight scene in the electronics store was uh, was pretty awesome. Yeah, like when they they pan up to the scene and, and there's an invisible man basically plowing through electronic shelves until he hits the wall. That just like that just looked awesome. Yeah, I liked when uh, 
Butcher is fighting translucent and uh, he's swinging and missing, swinging and missing. And then he starts spitting his own blood onto his face and spitting his blood onto his fists. So he can see when the, when he's going to punch him and he can punch him. So with translucent, with how his, his power works, he's, his skin is indestructible, right? Yeah. That's the way they're describing it from like throughout the episode, like what they had him in an interview, like on, uh, was it Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, yeah, it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, he was describing how his power kind of works. They said his like skin turns into a, a carbon metamaterial, so it becomes indestructible and bends light. Yeah, so he's not actually turning invisible, but like his skin is altering itself, so he's reflecting light to make himself uh, be unseen by everybody, which is also causing him to be indestructible. It, it was pretty cool. That's why Butcher's line hilarious too, and he's like, "Translucent means you can put it, you can like it allows light through." Not invisible. <laughs> yeah, to end that fight, uh, Huey's like, all right, well, we're going to electrocute him, and he shoves the power cord up his ass. Oh, yeah. Did, the electrified I, butt cheek. Yeah, I imagined you laughing at the very last scene with the uh, butt bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> when that played out, I was like, oh, Michael's laughing right Especially now. Especially when you see Frenchie, and he's like, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's a good way to uh, segue into episode two now, since we just got to the end of uh, episode two with the butt bomb. Uh, we, yeah, so we are introduced to Frenchie. He, he can't. He, it started off Frenchie in this episode seemed like he was kind of a badass. I, I actually I enjoyed his character quite a bit, and uh, they're spending the time in the episode trying to figure out how to kill Translucent or get Translucent to talk. Here we get Huey understanding what he's gotten himself into by. Uh, joining up with Butcher and Frenchie. Uh, he, he doesn't want to kill Translucent. He just wants to get information from him. And Butcher and Frenchie are very set on the idea that Translucent must die or else uh, they're not going to be able to live because they're going to have the rest of the soups after him. Um, oh, yeah. There were a lot of cool parts of this episode. You know, seeing some characters together that you don't see together too often throughout the series. So I, I took note of this with uh, uh, Homelander and uh, the Deep having a conversation at the tower the first time. And it's like, you really know who is the more powerful of the group based on the way Homelander and the Deep are talking to each other. The Deep is terrified of Homelander. As I think most yeah, of... Deep, go, go ahead. The way his facial expressions are to show how like much... He's afraid of him. Yeah, exactly. And I, you can get that uh, other than Black Noir. Um, <laughs> I think other than Black Noir, you can tell like most of the superheroes or the soups um, have a certain uh, fear towards uh, Homelander because of how powerful he is. Yeah. So Black Noir might be the only one you'd never. Black Noir keeps kind of look like he's awkward at times. <laughs> Black Noir is the best. He is the best part of the that group. He, he doesn't really get a lot of screen time, but when he pops up, it's like, yeah, this guy's great. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. In episode two, when he's like, was it? They're having the the one little. Uh, I guess it was a party or a fundraiser, yeah. and the scene starts off, and it's him like with a straw up to up to his mask, and he's drinking, but he didn't pull the mask up. He's drinking through his mask. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's. I think it's like somewhat of like pretty. Well, maybe in the first half of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gotta. I, I gotta rewatch it. That. That's awesome. The the other part I gotta kick out of this episode that I that makes me remember it the most is the scene where they have a train going to the like Make a Wish Foundation. That um, was my, that for, like was a kid favorite. that had his last wish. 
That was my favorite part of the entire series. I gotta, I gotta be honest. That was my favorite part of the whole series. <laughs> it's like, where's Translucent? Uh, he's on a top secret mission. But this was my last wish, and I asked for Translucent. But you got the A train, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he's how, full of, how full of himself is A train? Yeah, he thinks he can like sell himself to a you know poor kid that's dying. He's like, you got the A train. <laughs> <laughs> And the, and the, the best line of the whole episode, he goes, I'll teach you to run fast like me. He goes, you'll teach me to outrun cancer? <laughs> and then he just goes, yeah. Yeah, he looks at the camera and just puts his thumb up. The, I like the... It's just like, no, it's, a, it's just like, yeah, he's like, he points his fingers at the camera like, uh, yeah, A-Train, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I liked when... Uh, a train says to the kid, he's like, "Well, maybe we can get tr- we can get translucent here next week." And he looks at the doctor. The camera goes to the doctor, and he's just shaking his head. <laughs> Doctor's shaking his head. He's, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know if you noticed this too, but like the lower right corner, you see the emojis going up the side, and it's like it starts off with a bunch of happy faces and smiley faces and all that, and then as their conversation goes on, and you see the kids getting upset, like a bunch of like sad faces and thumbs down, broken hearts start yep. showing up. Oh, yeah, that was, that that's definitely my favorite part. There was the the one scene they kind of show you where Homelander is a little off his rocker. Because when we first see Homelander in episode one, oh, fuck, we forgot about the best part of episode one. At the very end, you see the one mayor on the plane with his son. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I hate being Quentin Tarantino right here and going back, but I got to talk about it because it, it was so awesome the way to end that episode is, you know, they look out the window and you see Homelander and his eyes just glow red and then he cuts the fucking plane in half. Yeah, that scene, that kind of just showcases how bad Homelander can be. Yeah, and see, for me, even after that part, I didn't know if it was, I didn't realize it was Homelander doing it, but I thought it was Stillwell, like, sent Homelander to do it. Well, that's really, like, when I walked back the second time, I, I hadn't realized when Stillwell was talking to the mayor of Baltimore, Homelander's flying past the window during oh. their conversation. Oh, was he really? Yeah. You could actually see him flying? I, I missed it the first time I watched it, and I caught it the second, like, they're my second watch. So, like, yeah, so that's how you heard them talking and, and him bringing up, uh, what you call it, uh, Compound B. Oh, so, like, shit. That's the... F- I think that's the first mention of Compound V in the show was at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, you, I, I got to rewatch these for sure because there's a lot of things I'm realizing I missed. Yeah, I, I'm going, I'm in, in the middle of my second rewatch. Like, <laughs> the second time going through the whole series. Just like, good bits I noticed rewatching one and two were like, they had the uh, commemorative glasses, like drinking glasses. Who had the drinking glasses? Uh, there was a scene with Starlight when she's getting the call that she's been, she's been, uh, hired to be on the seven. Right, right. And she's got a, she has the deep, um, on a, like a commemorative class. Like, you know, like the old McDonald's classes you used to collect? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then later on, when they're, when Huey and them are all, and they have translucent in the cage, in that, um, what you call it, like abandoned, uh, restaurant, Huey's filling up a glass of water, and that glass is the Homelander one. Oh, shit. Wow. So it's like, I guess they're, they're kind of showcasing like how what you call I guess the marketing of the superheroes is like from a point. 
Yeah, yeah, the marketing and also the fact that you know, Starlight even says that the Deep was her favorite superhero. And so she has the commemorative glass that shows that she actually was a huge fan of his. We get that in episode, was it episode two? Or was that in episode one where Huey comes home and he goes into his room and you see all the superhero memorabilia? You know, he's got A-Train all over his room and Homelander. That might be in episode three, isn't it? Is that episode three? Yeah, I think so, because it's... I remember right. I think they, they, they blow up translucent in episode two. Yeah, that was the end of episode two. So when he's going to get clothes, Frenchie goes a little home. That's right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. That's episode yeah, three. All, all the stuff he's got. Let's let's not jump ahead. That's my bad. <laughs> okay. Like I said, it's kind of all jumbling around my head. Yeah, yeah. Like one big movie. So with Homelander, though, back to Homelander, uh, there there's a part where... You know, I realized at least where he was a little off his rocker. Uh, he's standing there in the hallway staring at the mural of himself on the wall. Starlight comes in and he says, oh, hi, Starlight. And they have a little conversation. And then, you know, he's real nice and, and sweet to her. And then she leaves. And then he continues to look at the mural. But he's not actually looking at his mural. But he's staring through the wall at Stillwell, who's uh, <laughs> she's pumping her uh, her breasts. <laughs> Um, so that's what that's where like you that was my first take on where he was a little off his rocker. I got I got one more thing that I thought was pretty cool in this episode. Uh, you know, it's not something hidden or anything, but it's when you know they still before Translucent gets blown up, uh, you see Homelander flying around the city like at rapid speed looking for him. I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, that was awesome. because you don't know how powerful he is until they start like seeing the things he does. Yeah. Was there were there some other like cool parts for you? Uh, I think I think we touched on all the parts that I thought were like really well done. Like I got excited. <laughs> did the episode two? Did that like start to like kind of change your opinion towards the characters a little bit? Sort of like because I I'm still entrenched somewhat in the like in the comics. Still well, like her character. Yeah. It was such a change from the books to me that I, I have a hard time wrestling with her as a character in the show because Stillwell in the comics was like this almost emotionless guy. It was a, he was a guy in the comics. Oh, yeah, that's true. They also did the gender swap oh, for the sure. character. Yeah, because in the comics, he, he always handled Homelander, and Homelander didn't understand, like, for some reason couldn't understand him because the guy's heartbeat never changed. No matter what Homelander, like, looked like, like would frighten other people. Stillwell was just like, uh huh, yeah, okay, we're done. Hmm. So this Stillwell is like fairly different to me. So it's like you can tell she's got emotions. That's the one thing I'm still grappling with with the characters in the show. It's the change, I guess. So what I was accustomed to. Yeah, I get that. I get that 100. <clears throat> percent Yeah, but like Homelander, I think he he's played fairly well. Just in the public he plays them up and gives them what like the public wants that he's that shiny you know superhero that will save everybody yeah I gotta I gotta say the guy that plays Home, Homelander is incredible Homelander I think is one of my favorite villains in oh, yeah. superhero yeah, I don't cinema I have seeing this seeing this actor anywhere or in anything else before I'd have to look him up yeah I, I personally haven't seen him in anything before this is a uh, first for me his name is uh Anthony something yeah. but yeah he he was incredible you're absolutely right the way he changes emotions from you know being in the eyes of the public and then behind the scenes like you see him in episodes where he just flips it 
uh, at the snap oh, of yeah. a finger. Like, um, but hey, let's. Uh, you ready to go on episode three? Okay. All right. Um, episode three uh, starts. This I thought was really cool. I think I know you thought this was cool too. We haven't talked about it though. It opens with them scooping up the remains of Translucent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see like there's you see the blood and everything all over the place but some of his body parts are still invisible <laughs> yep I, it, but it's also it's like all clinging together almost like a uh, like a skin fish or something because because of the indestructible skin yeah, it was just this like weird mess of what was left of it yeah that it, it was that i i rewound that a couple times as i was like wait a minute is that it holy shit, the hand is still invisible and, like, the stuff is all, like, just slopped together. I thought that part was... Yeah. It was very clever. Well, they opened the case, too. And I forget exactly what it said on the inside of the uh, the case. It was like, we're watching you or something? Oh, yeah, they leave translucent uh, remains in the box and the deep finds it at the end of the episode. And, yeah, on the, on the lid of the box, it says something like, uh, does this, uh, we're watching you or try and find us or you can't stop us. It, it, it's pretty much a threat to the seven. Yeah, because even in the episode, um, or when that section all matter goes, who knows that I can't see through zinc? Yeah, yeah. And the chest is made of zinc or something. Yep. So now I'm even curious if that's, like, foreshadowing but they might do later on in the series. Up until then, you don't know if Homelander has any weakness. You don't really know anything about Homelander throughout this series. You don't know his weakness. You don't know where he came from. There, he's one. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I know this is in a later episode, but I'll mention it now because um, we're talking about it. But like they say, everyone has a backstory or a history. Homelander is the only one who's unknown. Right? Don't they say something like that? Uh, I think so, actually, yeah. A little bit later in the episode, they uh, they try pushing the skimpy costume on Starlight, and she's not having it. She doesn't want to wear it, but, you know, the powers that be say, well, no, you're going to wear it. Uh, it just shows you, like, how even though you're a superhero, the, you know, corporate still has uh, control over you. Uh, yep. It was interesting in that part. Like, I, I found it interesting was they, they decided to um, change it a little from the comics. The costume? I don't know if you remember or not, in the comics, when they gave her a new costume, they yeah. were giving her a new backstory. Oh, I don't remember and, the backstory, no. Yeah, in, in the comics, her backstory was is that she was raped. And in the comics, she flipped out about it. And in the show, they just gave her a new costume, and they didn't talk about giving her a new backstory. Like, huh. In the comics, they were trying to say she changed her costume because of what happened to her. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, the show, when they did it, it was just kind of like, oh, we're just going to make you more flashy like a swimsuit model. Yeah, because sex sells. And that's what, you know, they're corporate, so they're trying to yeah. sell her body uh, as well as her powers. Yeah, since, since Blake basically treats their superheroes like they're a product. We are also introduced to uh, my favorite member of the boys, uh, Mother's Milk. He, he's, he just seemed like a really fun character. I don't think he got a whole lot of play throughout the series. He was a little more or less worried about his home life and not wanting to work with Frenchie. Him and Frenchie did not get along in the beginning. Well, yeah, due to something that happened in the past with them. Yeah, and they, they don't really dig too deep into what happened. Uh, Mother's Milk references it. Um, see, he keeps doing this shit all the time, and that's why we get in trouble. And you don't actually... They don't actually dig into what it was that made them hate each other, right? So far, this whole series, 
series. I don't think I don't think they touched on it. Like they got into details. It was just something that happened in the past when they were all working together. Oh, just realized. What's up? Was there something we didn't touch on in the last one? The one party they were having. Was it the second episode? Sorry for going back on it. No, no, you're you're good. You're good. Was, was, was that when they brought up the whole part, like the, the theme of what Void's plan is, of trying to get soups in the military? Oh, yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Um, th- their new expanse, the. I, I can't pronounce the name of the company, but it's Vote or Vought? Oh, Vought. That's it. I always keep calling it Void. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, say it different yeah. ways all the time. Uh, it's Vought. Or wait, what? It's it's the V. <laughs> um, yeah, in, yeah in the show in the show they say Vaught. Yeah. Because I, I read the comics and there was nobody telling me how to press it. Yeah, yeah, I it's like see. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> they uh. Yeah. But yeah, they're trying to expand the soups to be part of the military because that's going to make the company more money. So then they could be like Lockheed Martin, but with superheroes instead yeah. of planes. Yeah, good, good, uh, good, uh backwards motion there <laughs> uh, definitely yeah, well, we got so we got we got so excited about um, translucent exploding <laughs> yeah yeah and his guts all over the place you completely you kind of get distracted from the like the other part of the story yeah the actual plot of the story yeah <laughs> there was one thing um with episode three uh homelander i i assumed he hated babies <laughs> <laughs> but because based oh, on when he, when he goes can you make him stop doing that yeah yeah and then it, that part and then when uh, Stillwell picks up the baby and is walking away and the baby's looking at Homelander and Homelander just looks at the baby like he just wants to smash it <laughs> yeah like, I'm gonna burn its face off yeah and uh, another thing that makes me uncomfortable and things I don't like in movies or TV is when children get hurt or killed and well yeah you know, so I I was very like edgy about him, like like you said, burning the baby's face off. Not something I want to see. <laughs> but I think that one was was kind of showcasing his jealousy of that child. Oh, absolutely, he was definitely like, jealous like, of it because of the relationship they show with um, with um, Stillwell. Like I think it's after the the piece destroys the uh, the mayor uh, the mayor of uh, Baltimore's plane. Like she takes him and cuddles him like a child. Yeah. And then, so then later on this scene when he's staring at that baby like no that's my place yeah exactly yeah it's, it's a little creepy so this part um, Huey goes and uh, visits A-Train's girlfriend what, what's her name B- uh, Boneclaw Popclaw Popclaw Pop they yeah. uh, she pops claws out of her wrist sort of like the side of her hand yeah she she was pretty cool uh, <laughs> well we're definitely going to talk about the scene with her later on um <laughs> Because <laughs> holy yeah, shit! I, I can't imagine which one that is you're talking about. No, well then you're in <laughs> you're in for a surprise, just like I was. Holy shit! Uh, <laughs> um, so this is a sarcastic one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So they go, uh, Huey and uh, Mother's Milk. They go and uh, visit A Train's girlfriend, Popclaw. Who also is a, you know, she has powers and uh, she's also a movie star. Uh, they go disguised as the, you know, repairmen or whatever. And they just go there to bug her apartment. And 
this is the part I thought was kind of cool is as they're leaving the apartment, uh, Huey bumps into A-Train on his way out and they stare at each other and A-Train goes, hey man, you a fan? You wanna get a picture? You want an autograph? And he does not recognize Huey at all as the man, you know, the guy who whose girlfriend he just killed, uh, you know, days ago. Uh, it just shows you how full of, not just full of himself, that A-Train is, but he just doesn't care either. I imagine you liking, liking this part. Tell me what you think. The Homelander and Queen Maeve, when they walk into the the shootout that's going on and they're just having like a normal conversation, the cops are shooting at the building and the bad guys are shooting down at the cops and they're just walking up. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, this is good. And Homelander goes, uh, what floor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just takes off. And then when she, she, takes okay. the, she takes the elevator. Okay. Queen Map goes, where are the elevators? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, even though she is fully capable of flying. Yeah, this shows how, I don't want to say corrupt, but just how evil these superheroes are. When Homelander and Queen Maeve, they take out the bad guys, like, they they stop, or the, they stop the one guy, and, yeah. you know, they have him, he's disarmed, and then Homelander goes and shoves his fist through his chest. He shoots Queen Maeve and makes it look like self-defense, pretty much. Uh, you know, again, it's having. Yeah, just go ahead. Playing up the, uh, the the evidence of their story. Yeah, and it's uh, Homelander yeah. didn't need to kill the guy, but he did, and he still made it look like the guy sh- was shooting at them when he never did. You know, it's, it it, it kind of leads into you know what you can think of. I, I wouldn't say it's corruption, but they're definitely dirty, dirty heroes. They're you know the same as being like a dirty well, cop. <laughs> really showing parallels from like uh you know when you see like other movies where they're they're like showcasing corrupt cops and they're setting up the scene to make it to make the whole the evidence match their story so that they're not the bad guys yeah exactly so here's the one of the cute scenes we get a starlight and huey going on their first date together and having a beer uh, we missed. We forgot that part too. Huey met Starlight on a park bench. I think in the first episode, she was crying, and he like consoled her. They exchanged numbers. They uh, yeah, they went for a beer. Uh, what was it? The, they were at a a race or something, weren't they? At, at the end of the episode. For the third episode. Yeah, it was like the end of the episode. It was like the. Super- yeah, this was. This was the whole thing with uh, A Train was racing shockwaves. Yeah. I think it was like to be the, to keep the title of world's fastest man, which I think I guess the the tone of this whole one was like A Train using Compound B, yeah, uh, to boost himself. Compound B, uh, it, it seemed like it was going to be different from the comics because they were kind of making Compound B seem like it was like a drug, like heroin or you know cocaine or yeah. you know. But but. It, like yeah, this one they made it seem like for superheroes. It was like a, a drug of choice. Yeah. Which brings us back to that uh, the scene you want to talk about. Yep. Here we are. Uh, <laughs> before we get to that scene um, at the race, uh, Homelander stares down Butcher, or vice versa. Butcher actually stares down Homelander, and you know Homelander. It seems like he kind of recognizes Butcher, but he doesn't recognize Butcher. And that's where I thought this was kind of played out nicely because we already got that experience with Huey and A-Train. A-Train not remembering Huey. So Homelander probably doesn't remember Butcher, which we find out how they do know each other later on. But yeah, now now let's talk about Popclaw. So she shoots up. (laughs) She shoots up Compound B because she's having like like the itch. She needs her her dose. And uh, you see the spikes come out of her arms and... Then there's a knock at the door, and uh, she lets she lets the landlord come in, and uh, you want to take it from here? Well, 
sure. <laughs> yeah, because the landlord's looking for, you know, rent money from her, which it seems like she, she doesn't have it, so it almost plays off kind of like a, uh, like, uh, how would you put it, like one of those old pornos, and because she's all ripped up on the count, uh, compound V, so she starts playing it up and then wants to do role play with the guy, and of course, because he sees the pretty picture she has on the wall, of like her modeling pictures of her like naked and stuff, falls into it, so she gets all dressed up in her gear, and goes, and has him pretend he's breaking into a safe or something, and that treats him like the bad guy, throwing him around a little, like he likes it. And then what was it? It was, uh, she was sitting on his face? She was sitting on his face. <laughs> yes. I think, what was the line? Uh, you, you like to eat that ass, you dirty, <laughs> you dirty, uh, criminal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. That one made me laugh so bad. Oh, okay. And then... <laughs> Yeah, until she hit that climax, of course. <laughs> she hits and, the. And then you you heard the like somebody hitting a sledgehammer on a watermelon. <laughs> Squish. She hits the O, and I went oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she. Which is uh, exactly how how Huey and them that were spying on them were were also doing the same thing. The yeah. audience probably was watching it all. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, I felt uh, felt felt bad for the landlord, but that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it was definitely um, collateral. So she crushes the landlord's head. His brains go all over the floor. Yeah, <laughs> that was a. Uh, I've never seen anything like that before either. So that was incredible. I love that scene. Oh yeah. And then, like we said, the uh, the episode ends with uh, the deep finding the box in the ocean. All right, let's get into episode four. Uh, episode four starts off. We get a little look into Butcher's past. We see his wife. His wife's name is Rebecca. His dog, the bulldog. Uh, the bulldog was a big part in the comics, right? Yeah, because he was he was pretty much everywhere, and he was also like oh, I guess it was. It was a character that had that gave a turning point to the story too at that one point in the in the comic. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten that that far in the comics yet, so I don't I don't want to have that spoiled for me. That, yeah, um, no, I still got to get the other six uh, trade paperbacks to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was even in episode one when Huey gets into Butcher's car and he says, "Oh, you got a dog?" Because he got all the dog toys in the back seat, and Butcher's like, "No." I, I thought they were just gonna like reference it like that the dog would show up eventually, but at one point Butcher did have I, a dog. I was I was wondering how they were gonna do that too, because the like the dog like in reality the dog would have been trained fairly well for the things that happened, that the dog did in the comic. Like he like he would like tell the dog to go piss on a superhero. And the dog would go over and just start peeing on his boot. <laughs> I um, think that was like one of the ways in the comic that Butcher was trying to antagonize um, Homelander in some, I forget which part of the story in the comic, but yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I think I remember that part, unless that came later on. I, I even remember him having the dog, like, go, he told the dog to go, his dog to go mount another dog. Yeah, there was that too. <laughs> like, yeah, go, go F that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said, go, go tap that over there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so we get a look into Butcher's past. We see his wife and his dog, the bulldog. Just a quick little flashback. And then we cut back to the present where uh, Butcher goes and he delivers the superhero drug to detective, uh, Director Rayner. 
Uh, he delivers compound V to her. Uh, let's see. Then we get we are introduced to the female uh, Kimiko. She's locked up. Uh, they tracked her down because they were tracking where A Train had been running to the whole time. And it turned out like uh, A Train was actually transporting Compound V, or like he was buying Compound V, the drug for like his fix. And well, he was also bringing it to like the hospital too, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I think that was a part of it. Yeah, you find you find that out later on yeah. in the episodes that he was yeah. delivering it. But uh, the boys, yeah, there was more. There was even more to it than what he was doing with it. But you find that out at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. You, you At this point, you think he's just, like, scoring his fix. So the boys uh, set Kimiko free from the cage from the place where A-Train was getting the drug, Compound V. And when she gets out, you learn that Kimiko has superpowers. And she shreds the people apart that have been holding her captive. Like, they come at her with guns, and she's just ripping them, cutting their chests open. Uh, did she rip the guy's head off? In their heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This part was hilarious. Uh, the deep was uh, remember when the deep was in therapy about the dolphins at uh, Oceanland. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> He's like, I hear them talk. They talk to me. They don't want to be there. I need to go set them free. And then uh, at one point he goes and he talks to Stillwell and he said, hey, I got this idea. Like, I think it's a good thing. Like, I'm going to go to Ocean World and I'm going to get the uh, I'm going to set these dolphins free. And again, it's a corporation where she says, well, no, because they are one of our, not sponsors, but like our supporters or whatever. So if you do that, you know, how's that going to look for us? Well, that and, and uh, the deep was like a mascot for, for Ocean Land. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, spokesperson. Yeah, because he does the commercials and everything, which you see later on, too. Uh, a little after that, Huey's on a date with Starlight, and he starts having PTSD. Uh, he sees not so much the ghost of Robin, but he sees Robin, and then he has PTSD of blowing up Translucent because they're bowling and the ball's knocking down the pins like he's remembering the explosion. And uh, yeah, that really showcased um, how, like, the word, like, uh, showcasing, like, Huey's headspace at that time. Yeah, like, he's... He like wants how, like, uh, emotionally tortured he is at the moment. Yeah, like, he's experienced so much in, like, this amount of time. Like, he's trying to just go with it, but at the same time, he's still suffering from the loss of Robin, and he just killed somebody. Yeah. Uh, here's the part of this episode where I was like, holy shit. I felt, yeah, this this part, like, made me feel uneasy. We've got uh, Homelander and Maeve. They get onto uh, the airplane that's taken over by the terrorists. They they stop the terrorists, and you also see... Well, showcase that how much Homelander doesn't care how he does. Well, I guess it showcases more of how these soups aren't trained to, like, do what they're doing. Because Homelander cuts through a bad guy and just destroys the whole control panel. Yeah, the the they stop all the terrorists on the body of the plane. And then when they get to the cockpit, there's a terrorist in there. And he shoots. I think the terrorist shoots the, the pilot. And then... Homelander uses his laser eyes and cuts, like you said, destroys the control panel. And he, his response is just like, oh, all right, well, that happened. And then she says, <laughs> Maeve says, can you fly a plane? He goes, no. <laughs> like, he could really care less about what just happened. Like, he, yeah, he's, his thought yeah. process is, well, we tried. Yeah, it didn't work out. Let's get off my back. Yeah, he's like, all right, well, let, you know, let's get out of here. 
So then they walk through the plane. You know, all the passengers are excited that they stopped the terrorists. And that's when the plane starts to nosedive and everyone's, the, you know, the plane starts shaking and they get to the back of the plane. And Ma- Maeve wants to save these people. She wants to save these people so bad. You can see it in Queen Maeve. She's not as corrupt as A-Train or Homelander. She's not that dirty. Like she's got her own issues, which you learn about later on. But she's not, she's not an evil character. Like she wants to save these people. Uh, the part when all the passengers are like gathering around them and Homelander goes, get the fuck back or I'll blast your eyes out. And his eyes are glowing red. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like that was, that was pretty freaky. The scene is unsettling. Yeah, you, saw it, you saw it in the passengers' faces too. They're just like, what the uh? But he's Homelander. <laughs> yeah. Why, like, why is he doing that? Like imagine Superman doing that. Like you, you just be... You know, the Superman was real and you viewed him as being this, like, you know, powerful savior and like you admire him. And then all of a sudden he's saying, I'm going to blast your fucking face off. You know, yeah, the scene was very unsettling with Homelander and you just learn more like he's not he doesn't care about being a superhero. He does it because it's his job. Like most people going to a job, they don't really care about it, but they do it because, well, you know, it pays the bills. Because they're getting paid. That's interesting because I just thought of this, like, relating to, uh, like, Superman and Lex Luthor, actually. Because in, like, Superman, this is this is basically how Lex Luthor views Superman. How, like, this world should view, like, Homelander or how we're watching Homelander. Because he's all-powerful, and if you turn on everything, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of the part of Lex Luthor mindset in the comics. He's always thinking Superman's going to destroy everything. Right, yeah, Lex Luthor in the comics, not, it's interesting because the characters in this too, like you can't view the view the boys necessarily as being, you know, good guys because they're kind of evil themselves in a way. Um, you, you can compare them to Lex Luthor for sure because, you know, they're seeing these powerful beings and they don't think people should, or at least Lex Luthor doesn't believe someone should have that much power because if they, like you said, they turn on us, we're not going to be able to stop them. So exactly. we should stop them now. Yeah. But yeah, that scene was unsettling. Uh, it, the, oh man, the fact that the plane does go down and, you know, it, it affects Queen Maeve. You see that later on in the episodes, uh, which we'll talk about. And we'll talk about in the next episode. So the, they're still on the date, Huey and Starlight. Um, and then Huey scans Starlight's phone. I don't, I forget why, but he did. Do you remember why he scanned her phone? Why uh, Huey scans Starlight's phone? Oh, yeah. When they're, uh, what were they at? Was that dinner? Yeah, they were, I think they were at the bar again. Yeah, yeah, because there was something. Like, did he have another episode and that's what clinched it for him to do it? I can't remember that part exactly. So we got, yeah, because uh, he put the device next to it and yeah. let it do its job. Yeah, so then we got, uh, we got Frenchie, Mother's Milk, and Butcher. They're still hunting down Kimiko. They get to, um, the subway station where Butcher drops one of the best analogies of the Spice Girls. And, and it's the first of many Spice Girls references he makes. Uh, he pretty much says like, you know, what's Sporty Spice up to? What's Ginger up to? Ah, do you know what, what Scary Spice is up to? No. And you see, you see Mother Milk's face like, what the hell is this happening to an anime? Yeah. <laughs> And he said, because at this point, the boys, they're like just frustrated with each other and they want to be away from each other. And he's saying like, the Spice Girls alone are nothing, but together they are magic. And then the the speech does nothing for any of them. Like you can tell, like it's not a moving, motivating speech at all. But then they happen to see Kimiko and then, uh, you know, they chase her down. And then Mother's Milk's like, he has the worst pep talks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so they, they find Kimiko and uh, she jumps onto the tracks of the subway when uh, A-Train comes out of nowhere and snatches her and they fight a little bit. The, the part, what were your thoughts on the part where like he grabs her head and starts smashing it into the ground? Oh, that, that made me hurt. <laughs> chipping a hole in the concrete wall. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when's he going to stop? <laughs> and then uh, Frenchie, quick on his feet, you know, he says, oh, look, everyone, it's A-Train, it's A-Train. And all the civilians come over yeah. and he has to let leave Kimiko and he, you know, goes to his, because it's his job. His fan base is coming. He he can't be seen beating up this uh, this woman. Young woman. Yeah, because she doesn't, she doesn't look like a villain. Yeah, she, she looks like a homeless person. Yeah, exactly. So, like, what's the public going to think of A-Train being, beating up a homeless woman? So, with that, the boys capture Kimiko. Uh, they have her subdued. And uh, th- this episode has one of the worst scenes. You know, the deep actually breaking the dolphin out of ocean world or ocean land. Oh, that one was horrible. Uh, so, another thing I don't like seeing in movies and cinema is animals being murdered or killed in any way either. So, this was kind of, uh, uh, it really turned me like off. It, it goes from almost touching to a little kind of sadly comical. Because, you remember the part where he's talking to the dolphin? And he goes, I'll touch it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I, you know what's funny too about that? <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but dolphins are like um, a very sexual animal. Oh, oh yeah. They're yeah, they're no, one of the most. No, other no, than don't put their penis in, in a decapitated fish. <laughs> I, I've, I've I've read a few articles online. Yeah, yeah. If you ever go, if anyone ever goes to SeaWorld or has gone to SeaWorld, I remember one trip we went and uh, we saw yeah a bunch of dolphin penis. <laughs> You remember that? I don't know if you remember. Mom, mom yelled at me for pointing at it, pointing it out one time. Yeah, we yeah. were at one of the we were at the walls, and you could see them all underwater. Yeah, and they're just going I'm to like, town hey. on each other. I go, I go, hey, look at that! Stick it out. She goes, quiet, quiet. <laughs> Shuffled me along. Yeah. I go, what? It's nature. But uh, oh. you're right. The the comical part of it when he's like, you know, he's talking to the dolphin. The dolphin just. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And then all of a sudden, well, it just goes, the switch turns. Yeah, because the, then there's the, the cop comes up with the lights and the siren, and he goes, oh, crap, and he hits the brake really hard, and, you know, poor dolphin goes flying. And they do it in slow motion. Oh, the dolphin turns, and he looks at Deep, and Deep looks at him, and he slowly just goes through the windshield out into the road. Yeah. And then it gets run over by a truck. Oh, yeah, that was uh, almost. Well, not not quite like the scene from Pet Cemetery, but you know, still bad. Yeah, I uh, actually, no, they're they're probably about on par for the emotional trauma it caused us. Yeah, yeah. So th- that scene, it, it, the the dialogue between Deep and the Dolphin was silly up until the point when the Dolphin, when you actually see the Dolphin die, I'm, it's things that just are not necessary to me. I don't like seeing it. That turned me off a little bit. But overall, episodes one through four were were an absolute blast. I I, I really dug this show up to that point. But by episode four, how are you feeling? Like, did you did you start to uh, separate the comic from the show by that point, or were He's still having a little bit of issues. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. At that point, I was still having issues. Like I, I, it was this series was hard to separate 
like I've watched other things built on like like movies or shows that their source material is either a comic or a book and I was able some of them they were they were so different I was able to separate them in my head I haven't been able to do that at this point by episode four of the show so yeah it was like a few more episodes later I think I was able I was starting to have a better separation and then since you started um, you know re-watching them too re-watching like episodes one and two again did you were, were you a little bit more open as opposed to the first time when you got into it yeah yeah it was a lot easier in the second run through that and also when the second run through I'm finding I, I noticed those little the little gems hiding throughout the episode yeah yeah like the glasses and uh, what was it, uh, A-Train, uh, like, beer and cereal. Yeah, I definitely yeah, gotta... I, I'm definitely finding the second go-through a, a lot more enjoyable for me as just a viewer. Good, 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 good. Yeah, I know that I like. I know that can happen a lot with uh, you know, especially books like you know, use Lord of the Rings for an example. You know, you had fans of the books that read every single one, and then when the movies came out, and they're like, oh, it's nothing like the books, and you know, this was missing, this was missing, and like there was none of this, and you know, it, it's easy to compare yeah. that too with a comic. Like, there's still comic book movies that come out. Like, I remember when the first Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, came out. And how disappointed I was that Spider-Man didn't make his uh, web shooters, but they were organic. Yeah, that one. You know, there's little you things... You were alone there. Yeah, you know, there's little things like that that bother me. But um, I think with this one, too, because it's... I don't want to say it's an underground comic, but it kind of is. Not a lot of people are familiar with it. So being a huge fan of something from the underground, and then all of a sudden there's a huge spotlight on it, you know, you really want yeah, it to... Definitely. You really want it to you know, explode and, you know, be exactly what it was that you cherished in the books as opposed to seeing it on TV. And if it's not doing that for you, I totally get it. I understand. I was like the other two shows you, uh, you turned me on to. Was it, uh, the Polar? Which one? And, uh, was it Polar? I, wait, you might not have put me on the Polar. It was the other one, though. Um, oh, one with the, uh, Imaginary Friends. Imaginary Friends. Foster's home for Imaginary <laughs> <laughs> no, it was on Netflix. It had the the guy that was a cop and uh, the the blue like flying unicorn. Oh, 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 shit! What's yeah, that it called? Called, It was Happy, right? Yeah, Happy. I had no clue that was a comic book <laughs> when I was watching the show. Yeah, and that, I actually I've been wanting to go check out the comic since I watched the show, though. Yeah, and yeah. the. Chances are the you know the comic's going to be completely different from the show. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I think the artist of the comic might have been one of the same artists that did some of the or did most of the boys or some of the boys books. I, I vaguely remember that when I was looking it up. But uh, yeah, there was probably a lot of people enjoying the show. Yeah. That haven't read the book. Did you notice that Eric Kripke? Did you notice that name? Kripke? Wasn't that from, uh, wasn't Kripke one of the characters on the Big Bang Theory? Oh, I don't know about Big Bang Theory. I never actually watched that. No, Kripke, he was involved with Supernatural. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's one of the producers. So going from Supernatural, a show that's been on for almost, you know, up to almost 20 years, it's not going to make that because they're on their final season now. But he's involved in this show now. And it uh, this show's already got a huge following to it, which is uh, kind of exciting. Nice. Yeah. So we'll probably get a season two. Oh yeah. Well, well, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about episode eight next episode. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh. All right, bro. Um, 
let's uh, let's get ready to sign out here. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on between you know episodes one through four at all? Or I mean, I think we pretty much touched on everything. Unless there's anything else you want to. Uh, no, I think we actually covered it all that I can think of. All right. Well, hey, bro, thank you so much for calling in. We'll plan a, a you know another time to go over the remaining four episodes and uh, yeah, just wrap this wrap this series up. Sweet. <laughs> all right, brother. Everybody, thank you for tuning in yet again to Gizmo's Corner. Uh, Michael, thank you again for calling in, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Later.